the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Holy Spirit of God seals you to the day of redemption, it says in the book of Ephesians. But that doesn't mean you can live however you want. It's a daily process of taking up your cross and dying to your selfish, sinful desires. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And just to give you a little secret, one of the things we discover, if somebody's really in a mess, it generally takes them a while to get honest. They kind of have a path toward honesty. They don't want to reveal everything. If somebody's messed up real bad, either they don't admit it at first or they kind of leak it out. It's just kind of, I guess, our human nature protectiveness. I, I don't know, sinfulness within us. So the first thing you've got to do is be honest. You've got to look into the mirror of God's word and see how you're doing spiritually. And when we do that, you know what we discover? We're all broken. We're all sinful. We've all fallen short. We've all blown it. Maybe not in the same way, but there by the grace of God, we go. And so we have to have that understanding. That's why even in this secular support group, Alcoholics Anonymous, if you're going to speak, you know what's the first thing you have to do? The first step is I've got to step up and say, hi, I'm Paul and I'm an alcoholic. You've got to make that acknowledgement because even though, though it has some Christian basis and when it was originally founded, it's a secular support group and they understand if you don't admit, if you don't accept the truth, you don't have a chance of getting the help that you need. Where do you need to be honest in your life? And we're focusing today on spiritual. Where do you need to be spiritually honest? Because here's the reality. Most of you can fool most of us. We can show up for church occasionally or regularly. We can put on what we want to wear on that day. We can smile. And most people don't know what's going on most of our lives. So we have to ask, where do we just really need to get brutally honest? Pastors, just to tell you a little secret, one of the last things we do before we walk into a room like this, a worship center, is uh, to look in the mirror. And not out of vanity, you just want to make sure everything's okay. The famous preacher, W.A. Criswell, he pastored First Baptist Dallas for over 50 years. A young pastor asked him, what's the last thing you do before you stand up to preach? He said, I check my zipper. <laughs> so, just, so just understand that's what we do. Well, today I, I looked in the mirror and I'm like, whoa, this suit doesn't hide much, does it? I'm kind of, I got some work I got to do. I got to trim up a little bit and that's what should happen when we look into the mirror of God's word. We honestly 
assess how we're doing and say, what needs to change? Say, accept the truth. Secondly, we have to release in truth. Now, I'm speaking to Christ followers. If you're a Christ follower, once we see our brokenness, our sinfulness, then we begin to receive the forgiveness of God because we've agreed with him about it. That's what confession is. Confession is simply agreeing with God about our sin. So I say, God, goodness, I looked in the mirror of your word and I see this area. I see anger in my life or I see bitterness or I see a short temper or I see that I'm not taking care of the temple or, I mean, truthfully, everything comes back spiritually, right? I see I'm putting things in my body I shouldn't be putting in my body. I see I'm not treating people uh, the way they should be treated. I'm not forgiving. And so we go down these lists and we say, okay, God, I agree with you. This is wrong. Now, as a Christ follower, we only have this access if if you're a Christ follower. But as a Christ follower, I receive the forgiveness of God. And then I release it. I release those wrong decisions. I release my sins, my sorrows. I release the past. Why do I do that? Look at Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 1 says this. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I kept saying, if you're a Christ follower, the truth is when Jesus died on the cross, what he did is he bore all the punishment, all the anger for your sin and my sin. So when we go on having been forgiven, wearing that punishment or bearing that anger or feeling that burden, we then are taking on something that is not truth. Remember, Gaius was walking in truth. We're taking on false guilt and false shame because God has dealt for that. When we hold on to our past, when we live in false shame and guilt rather than walking in the life of the truth, we cripple ourselves and we miss out on God's best for our lives. I'll never forget years ago, I was just wallowing. I've told this story before, but I thought it fit today. I was just wallowing in in poor decisions that I'd made in the past. And I was on the phone with my mentor, Dr. Johnny Hunt. He was half a country away. I was in Missouri. He was in Atlanta, Georgia. And I just was poor mouthing. And usually when we poor mouth, what we want somebody to do, say, it'll be okay, honey. You're going to be all right. It's not that bad. You'll be all right. So I was just poor. I can't believe I messed up. I'm not worth anything. And my mentor from a thousand plus miles away said, Paul, if I hear you say that again, I'm going to hunt you down and kick your behind. And what he was saying is what you've given to God, release it. Don't take it back. You're not walking in truth. Now, you got to give it to him. You've got to have that moment where you admitted it and, and you experienced confession and forgiveness. But once you've done that, release it. My friend John West used to put it this way. Yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note alone. Only today is cash on hand. Don't live in yesterday. Don't make plans about tomorrow. Live today for the glory of God. Number three, experience the truth experience the truth. What I'm talking about is embracing the grace that God's given you and determine then to live the purpose he has planned for you. Remember I told you the word that John uses to Gaius here is talking about him prospering, having success on the journey. When you begin a relationship with Christ, you are beginning a lifelong, eternity-long journey. And so embrace the journey. Embrace God's grace. Wake up each morning and say, God, I know that your mercies, just as we sang, are going to be new every morning.
There's a great ministry in our church that bears that name. It's called Embrace Grace. And primarily two ladies see that that ministry happens. Let me tell you what it does. It comes alongside women who found themselves probably in a pregnancy that they didn't plan, may not have wanted, but encourages them instead of aborting that child to have that child. And it encourages and counsels and spiritually blesses them and physically, tangibly blesses them along the way. They throw them a baby shower as they get toward the end of that process because it's, in, it's called embrace grace. Why? Because the principle is God will give you grace for this. Embrace it. One reason we're not spiritually fit is because we don't think God will, or we don't think we can make it through. We can't do what he wants us to do. But the truth is when we do that, we're, we're denying one of the primary principles in scripture, which is this. Jesus changes everything. Say that with me. Say Jesus changes everything. Listen to Ephesians 2. Paul has talked about how we were dead in our trespasses, but he says in verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And then we know this because Paul in 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Remember, our identity is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Experience the truth. Embrace the grace that God gives us to go forward. But let me give you this fourth thing, because this is where it gets really practical, and I think you can, you can take it home with you. Pursue a lifestyle of truth. Pursue a lifestyle of truth. This is talking about getting intentional. And that's what I want to do. We're going to do this in all of these areas. We're going to do this physically this month. We're going to talk about it financially. We're going to deal with it relationally. But let's be intentional. What is your spiritual plan to be spiritually fit? If you don't have one, guess what? You're not going to get spiritually fit. You have to do something, right? If I'm overweight and I don't want to be overweight, I have to... Do something. If my relationships are not healthy and I want my relationships to be healthy, I have to do something. If I'm in a financial pit and I want to get out of the pit, I have to do something. Spiritually, if I'm not healthy, the Bible gives us paths to to do something. Don't miss this. We don't do something to be saved. We're saved by his grace. He did all that needs to be done. But then we pursue a holy lifestyle. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. If you're going to pursue a lifestyle of truth, you need both discernment and discipline. You need to know what not to do, and you need to know what to do. So what is your process? What is your plan for spiritual growth in 2019? If you want to be different at the end of this year than you are today, how do you intend, what's your intentional process for getting there? Because here's what we know. The process always precedes the product. You've got to have a plan for how you're going to move forward. What is your plan? I'm going to give you four things you can do that make it real simple. Here's the first one. Daily die to self. So here's the first one. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. And before I ever get out of bed, I'm going to pray a prayer or something like this. 
God, this is the day you made. I die to me. I want to live for you today. Now, where does this principle of dying to self come from? Well, it's the words of Jesus in the gospel of Luke. Listen to what Jesus said. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What was Jesus saying? It's not that we lose our salvation because we've got that right. The principle, the doctrine taught in scripture is called the perseverance of the saints. Once you're truly saved, I believe the Bible teaches you're always saved. The Holy Spirit of God seals you to the day of redemption, it says in the book of Ephesians. But that doesn't mean you can live however you want. It's a daily process of taking up your cross and dying to your selfish, sinful desires. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at missionhill.org. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at missionhill.org. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And then Jesus even told us how to do this. So the disciples were spending this time with Jesus. It was nearing the end of his ministry. They didn't say, man, those miracles are awesome. Jesus, teach us to do the miracles. No, they said, teach us to pray. And so Jesus taught them to pray. And he began this way. Say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now let's pause. All that is is praising God. It's telling God, we know that you're there, we're not. You're God, we're not. But what's next? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first thing that Jesus taught us to ask for in prayer is that every day we would live according to God's will, not our will. So before I get out of the bed, I want to die daily to self. God, may your will be done in my life today just as clearly as your will is being accomplished in heaven. How do you think God's will is being accomplished in heaven? Perfectly. It's heaven. It's not sinful earth. So God, would your will be accomplished perfectly in my life today? I die to self. Now, Jesus knew we would struggle with this, so he modeled it for us. He didn't only give us a model prayer. He modeled it in his life. You know when he did that? In the Garden of Gethsemane. So he's 100% God. He's 100% man. As man, he's not looking forward to dying. He felt the pain when those nails pierced his hand. He felt the pain when his side was pierced. He bore all the weight of our sin. It hurt him. He was not looking forward to that. So he knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane, and here's what he prayed. Father, I'm going to do this. But... What? Not my will, but thy will. Would you make a commitment as we enter into a new year to just say this? God, not my will, but thy will. Let your will be done in my life this day just as clearly as it is in heaven. Daily die to self. Secondly, make time daily to get into the word. Make time daily to get into the word. All I'm saying is read the book. Here's what I know as a pastor. If you get into the word, the word will get into you. And if the word gets into you, you'll be a better person. You'll have a better life. We'll be a better church. And this will be a better community. 
So get into the word and let the word get into you. How do I do that, pastor? I'm glad you've asked. It's in human history. It's never been easier than it is today. Raise your hand if you have a smartphone. I'm not trying to shame anybody that still has a dumb phone, but raise your hand if you have, okay. There's an app on your smartphone called the Bible app, our U version. It was actually created, invented by a church. And now it's all around the world with millions, if not billions of users. And right here from your phone, you can read the Bible daily. There are even plans that can help you read it, and it will encourage you along the way. So like if you forget and it's getting late in the day, it can send you a notification. Say, hey, read your Bible. And if you like being patted on the back like I do and you've read it, it'll send you a notification. Say, good job, 14 days straight. (laughs) So just get into the word. There's all kinds of ways you can use that, all kinds of translations. We've given you a tool. It's just one tool. You can pick these up, just check off how you're reading the Bible through. It's amazing if you just read, really it ends up being just a couple of pages a day. You read through the whole Bible in a year. Now I've got a secret, don't tell anybody, I'm not using this. I found a new Bible that I I purchased. It's a chronological Bible in the Christian Standard Version. And so I'm reading through that and I love it. It's got a couple notes each day I read it and it's so simple. In fact, the one I'm doing only goes for six days And you kind of take a day to meditate and and pray. And you're still through the Bible in a whole year. I don't care what plan you use. Use one. Billy Graham had a plan. I use his too. The Billy Graham plan is to read five Psalms every day. One proverb every day. And if you do that, you read through all of Psalms and all of Proverbs every month. Proverbs, not Proverbs. Just think of how good that is and how that can help you. Just get into the word. Would you be willing to make a commitment today to say, I'm going to get into the word. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Here's my question for you. What's your plan? I don't care. Just do something. There's a lot of good plans, a lot of good discipleship tools to get into the word. Number three, spend time daily in personal prayer. This should be self-explanatory. But God can do more in a moment through prayer than you can do in a lifetime of your work. What are you trusting God to do through prayer? What impossible thing have you asked God for? Or could it be like everybody else? And do you hear me say that? Everybody else, that you've got things in your life where you feel like God didn't answer the prayer you wanted to, or he didn't respond in the way you wanted to, or in the timely fashion you wanted to. So you've given up and you're not praying for the big, boldacious, uh, audacious prayers. What are you asking God to do that would be impossible apart from his hand in your life? How are you spending time with him in prayer? If, if your love for God is based on the time you talk to him, how much does he think you love him? Spend time daily in prayer. And then here's the fourth one. Pursue holiness daily. Make a decision that you're no longer going to be content just getting by. Decide today that when we're a year later that you want to be more holy than you were now. And by the way, this is our biblical command. 1 Peter 1 verse 14 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What is he saying? Peter's reminding us. Let's go back. Peter's reminding us that we do have a former way. 
But remember, if we're in Christ, we're a new creation. So don't be conformed to your old way, but instead, as you who are called holy, be holy in all of your conduct, because it's written, be holy, for he is holy. How do I do that? Well, Paul gives us a clue in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We take every thought captive. So for some of you, one of the first steps to spiritual fitness is to do what I like to say regularly, get rid of your stinking thinking and start letting your thoughts reflect the life that God wants you to live. And as you do that, the people around you will begin to see that you're walking in the truth. Now, all of that was the introduction. I want to give you the message in one sentence why this matters. Our spiritual fitness brings glory to God and it brings joy to those who love us. When you make a decision to be spiritually fit, you're accomplishing God's greatest command because you're showing him that you love him with all that you are. And then you're also showing that you love others enough to give them the greatest joy that they could have. Did you hear how verse four ended? John says to Gaius, oh man, nothing brings me greater joy than to see that my children are walking in truth. I'm just telling you, as a Christian parent, that's true of my earthly children. Nothing. Man, I I went and watched one of my sons play soccer yesterday. I love to watch my son jump, play basketball. I I go and see them do drama and musicals and plays, and I hear them sing. I, I watch as they do good in school. I'm proud of all those things, but nothing as a parent brings me greater joy than to see them walk in truth. And John's saying this not to his earthly child, but to his spiritual child, Gaius. And he said, you want, you want to bring me joy? Boy, just keep walking in the truth. Why is this so important? Because when we're spiritually fit, it gives God glory and it brings joy to those we love the most. But there's a bonus. The more spiritually fit we are, the more we're able to hear clearly from God and tap into his best for our lives. I want you to understand something today. If you want God to show up in your life this year, stop blaming him. If you're not hearing from God, if you're not feeling him move, if you're not experiencing his presence, let me give you one promise. It's not his fault. He's not a God of confusion. He's not a game player where he's hiding behind the bush playing hide and seek. Boy, if you find me in 2019, it'll be your year. No. When we get spiritually fit, it's the same principle as when we get physically fit. When I'm physically fit, fit, the, the blood in my veins flows better. And when I'm spiritually fit... The Spirit of God flows in through me with great power and I'm more able to hear His voice and respond in ways that make me look like the person I'm created to be in the image of a holy God. Well, I tried to smile a lot, but the truth is, if you're listening, you can't listen to that message and not think, whew, I got some work to do. 
It's just like I said, when I looked in the mirror, you look in the mirror of God's word and you go, whew, I got some work to do. So what do I do if I recognize there's some areas I need to get fit? Well, I want to just remind you of the last words of that song I quoted. Bring your brokenness and I'll bring mine. Because love can heal what hurt divides. Mercy's waiting on the other side. If we're honest. Let's be honest today. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhill.org. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.